the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly episode of On The Pitch. I'm here as always, Phil Brown, join my regular co-host here, another fantastic comic fan. Don't forget to check him out at Football CFB. Uh, before we get started, Callum, how you doing, mate? How was your weekend? It wasn't too bad, Phil. Um, it's these strange times we're living in, so yeah. you've got to just make the most of it. So, watching the football and trying to unwind if I possibly can, and being in Scotland, obviously the weather means I can't get outdoors too much, but as I say, not too bad. I'm not too bad, good man, glad to hear, uh, see him, it's a nice weekend, other than frustrating, another back-to-back, no nil draw in the league, very frustrating, um, you know, I know you've Anfield away, Arsenal away, we're going to be difficult games, uh, for me, Callum, these, the nil-nil draws at Anfield, nil-nil draws at Arsenal, not be costly, if you know, I still, the, the, I can't remember a time where I felt as frustrated as I did, after the Sheffield United. It actually put me off, that Sheffield United result, actually put me off watching football for about a week. But I, I didn't watch any other games at the weekend because I was still so frustrated at that defeat. Now, I know it since it came out where referee and decisions went again today in that game, they should have won it. Of course, no one will focus on that. The media, whenever United went top, done all these articles about how many penalties United had and VAR on us now. I guarantee you nobody focuses on the fact that referee and decisions, first of all, City's goal against... Um, uh, Villa was it Villa, yeah. Shouldn't have counted. <clears throat> we now know, and now Solskjaer's been given a, de- a, de- a brief this morning saying that uh, the goals against uh, Sheffield United, you know, it should have counted, and or shouldn't have, and ultimately it shouldn't have been right. But still, it doesn't detract from the performance. It was dreadful, really, really poor. No intensity, really, really poor. A game that were look. No three points is guaranteed, but that's as close as you're going to get to three points guaranteed in the Premier League. That, for me, Callum, for United to lose against Sheffield United, a couple of things has to happen. First of all, United are man for man a better team than Sheffield United. That means all the intangibles United must fall short in. Commitment, intensity, desire, hunger, want to win. Sheffield United bettered them and all the things that can be coached, all the levellers, all the things that will beat talent, hard work, all the things that really there's no excuse for not having. You're spot on, Phil. Um, it, it just seemed like the players had maybe looked at the league table before the match and thought, this is a gimme. This is a game that, that if we turn up, we, we, we should be able to win. You look at the team Sheffield United put out as well. It's got Phil Jagielka in it. And no disrespect to Phil, he's had an incredible career in the Premier League. But I think even he would admit He's in the very, very twilight years of his career. He's getting on. He's not got the pace that he used to have. And United didn't test him. You look at the bench they had. They they didn't have enough subs in the bench. They are a team who have been devoid of confidence for for most of the season. They had the worst run in in Premier League history up until they they beat Newcastle a few weeks ago. And, And coming to Old Trafford, of all places, we talked about the home form improving on the last show after the Crystal Palace show and we saw at the start of the season. And... And unfortunately, it was just a it was a terrible sense of deja vu. Mm-hmm. United dominated the possession, but how many times have you and I said possession doesn't win football matches in relation to, to so, so many other teams? So when it's with United, it's right that we say that as well. And it just it was too passive. It, it was it was just far too passive. And ultimately, it's easy to say this with hindsight. Let's be honest. 
Um, I, I'm going to be a hypocrite here because I, I probably would have made some changes. But I think when you, when you consider the form that a player like Luke Shaw has been in, and your interview was absolutely fantastic on Thanks, on Friday. And if you've not checked it out, go to the BTP YouTube channel and, and watch it. I, I think that's the sort of game I would like to... I don't think that's the sort of game, sorry, that you rest Shaw in where he's in the, the vein of form that he is. I'm not digging out Tellez. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he comes off near the end. He, he plays a part in Maguire's goal. But I think that's the sort of game that you, you keep your players like Shaw and... Cavani in if you possibly can with the form that they're in and then look to rest them as the game goes on that's what I personally would have done but of course I've got the beauty of hindsight saying that so people can feel free to call me a hypocrite in that one. Well the thing is look, <clears throat> he has to rotate and I don't blame him rotating against Sheffield United, there's still enough quality if you're at Manchester United and you don't have the quality to win three, to get three points against Sheffield United, you shouldn't be at the football club and I accept that it's not easy we saw Gavanda beat against Liverpool a week before. It's not easy to come in when you haven't been playing and then find intensity and find rhythm. Because it was interesting in that Luke Shaw interview where he was on, he was on, on the pod and Freddie. <clears throat> I was asking about that Sheffield game and what happened, and um, it seemed to me that he was putting it down to a bit of overconfidence. And um, well, you know, it just felt like you know we're 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 this good now. We can switch off. We can we can we can drop off five percent and we'll get still get the result. Um, and they found out that you can't do that. And uh, so I think when I look at that, okay, then you say to yourself, well, maybe the Sheffield result will be a blessing in disguise. We're awakening it up from a slumber and say, you, you can't be arrogant, you can't be overconfident, you have to go out and give 100%. And um, you, you, in every game. But then I look at the game at the weekend against Arsenal. That's not a good Arsenal team. United should have beat them. And when I look at what's costing United in these games, it also cautionated a bit in the Liverpool game. It's cautionated in other games. I love, uh, and, and these are micro-criticisms, I suppose. When I look at Marcus Rashford, I love him. Right? I've, I started, defended him, rated him really highly. But the one thing that's preventing Rashford from becoming a world-class football player, and, and, and this is a big thing, is his final ball, his final decision, what he does in the final third. Even if you look at the goal against Liverpool, Calum, his first touch is not great. Right? He makes up for it with a good finish. But how many times do we see good attacking counter-attacks break down because Rashford delays the pass too long, shoots when he should pass, picks the wrong pass, passes when he should shoot. And it's, I mean, take a look at Edison Cavani's body language. Every time Marcus Rashford has the ball, gets caught in possession, it delays the pass. It, 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 he wants to strangle him. And, I, and, and I'm looking and going, son, lift your head. You're now at a point in your career where this is something you need to learn from. He's sublime talent. He's lightning quick. He goes past people, no problems. He's a good finisher. Not a great finisher, a good finisher. But that final point has to be changed. You need a must do something about that because I, if you never have a player in the final third that knows how to make decisions, knows when to pass, when, when all... We're talking about a striker, Matt Penelas, and Kamani would get United easily 20, 25 goals a season. Because his runs are impeccable, he's always in space, he's always wide open. If he's found, he'll score. And we just don't delay that pass too much. That has been so costly for United this season and a cautionary against Arsenal. They certainly did. And the thing with Rashford that you, you've hit the nail on the head with there, Phil, is if he's given five chances in a game and you're saying three relatively easy ones and two difficult ones, he's, he's the sort of player that you'd probably back to, to score the, the chances that are more difficult rather than the sort of 
give me chances that you get as a as a forward thinking player and and that has to change long term. Of course it does. If he wants to to progress to be the world class player that he is more than capable of being, he has to be more consistent in the final third and his numbers have to show that year in, year out. Again, you've referenced Cavani and that's crucial. Cavani's the sort of guy with the movement with his that he's got, with the experience that he's got, will get into the right positions. And if you lift your head, as you've just said, um you, you, and you find him, more often than not, you would back him to score. He's shown this season already, when he's given space, when he gets into the right position, he can finish, and it's crucial that you find him. I just sense that, we talked about Anthony Martial, another player I want to mention on, on the show last week, and we talked about this being a big six months for him, and he can take the, the proverbial bull by the horns and, and showcase his talent, and say to all the United fans, look, I know I've been inconsistent, but give me another year, I'll show you what I'm worth. The last week for me has been ugh, terrible to say. It's been typical Martial. Mm. It's, it's 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 passive, and and unfortunately, if you're wanting to to go for league titles, if you're wanting to beat Arsenal in a crunch game, if you're trying to get get back in a game at home against Sheffield United, where you're behind and you need at least a point, given the circumstances, down with ten minutes to go, the one thing you cannot be is passive and. I know people can say, oh, that's his natural body language, etc. But there's got to be a way of working in that. Because if there isn't a way of working in that, then quite simply he won't beat United long term. He needs to improve that part of his game. Because being a passive footballer in the final third isn't going to get you anywhere. Particularly in games against a Sheffield United who, with no disrespect, is the sort of game that a Martial, if you were in his position and I was in his position, you'd be looking and saying... I could score a goal tonight, make a couple of assists and really put myself as a marker to say, Cavani shouldn't start ahead of me. But after the week he's had, I look back at it and I say, another missed opportunity. Yeah, so with Anthony Martial, <clears throat> here's what concerns me, Callum. We're still talking about the same things in Martial that we're talking about 21, 22, 23, 24. He's now 25. This is a prime of his career. This is really the point in his career where you're supposed to have progressed past the question marks that were surrounding you at 22, 23. And then when you're a young player at 21, 22, 23, the mitigation is you will not have consistency just yet. That'll come in the sweet spot of your career where he's in. He's in the sweet spot of his career. But we're still talking about a very inconsistent footballer. We're still talking about a guy that, for me, it's all mental because the ability's there, there's no question. But he just doesn't look like he can be arsed. And maybe that's just my misunderstanding of his body language, but he certainly plays like it, right? And we're looking at a guy that I, I, I'm struggling to see what his... Papa, he's being rotated and left on the bench because his form isn't isn't the line that's going to pick him. That's a problem. You need to need goals from those areas. They need goals across the front feet. They're not getting those goals. And that's a real concern. Mason Greenwood hasn't been chipping in with the goals that he's been given us in previous the previous year. We need those goals. Anthony Marshall, those are the games, those are the goals that get that are worth three points. Now look, we all we all say we need to sit in top of the league. Realistically, I don't think they were gonna win the league, right? Now I think they could win the league and I think it's there for them. I think that's an opportunity, and I don't think that what's happened over the last week it's terminal to their chances. We've seen how quickly things can turn around in no time. Six points is nothing in this season, in this league, right? It's not like previous years. Six points is a mountain to climb where teams are rel- relentlessly consistent. They're not. 
right? Um, so I don't think it's the end of the world that Royal United are, and I don't think it's the end of the world that they drew against Liverpool and drew against Arsenal, concerning they didn't score, but then you could also argue clean sheets too. Um, but um, for me, if United end up l l falling short of their goal by three points, it'll always come back to that Sheffield United game. But again, when I'm looking in, that, in games like that, Calum, players like Anthony Marshall, this is your chance, son. Make a difference. Make a difference against Sheffield United. You should, you should be desperate. You should, he should have been looking at that game going, Sheffield United at home. What an opportunity for me to get get going this season, get a couple of goals, get the confidence going. Anyone who's played football knows the psychology of this. Knows that whenever you've, especially if you're a striker, right? Go, go back to your youth. You hadn't scored in maybe two weeks and you were playing the team bottom of the league or near bottom. What were you thinking before the match? Can't wait to get out here. I know I'm going to bag a bunch here. Three or four, a couple, I'll get the conference going. And you know you know it's going to come. You know you're going to get chances. Now, okay, this is Premier League. But the same psychology still applies. You're still playing a team bottom of the league. You're top. Go beat them. And go go use that opportunity to get your confidence back, get back. But he still looked like he couldn't be bothered. He still looked like there was somewhere else he'd rather be. He still looks like a player to me that makes a decision in the first 10 minutes of a game. Whether it's okay to be bad this week, oh, I think it's all right. I don't care if I'm not that good this week. It's always next week. It just doesn't look like a player to me that seizes the moment that says, "I need to be good right now. I need to make a difference." To me, he does not look like a player to me that is desperate to prove he's world class. He's not the sort of player who uh, I, I would hang my hat on and say, long term, he's the answer. And I think that's the issue that he'll have, even if he leaves United. I think you, whoever was to buy him will be buying that dreaded word within football, which we always mention, which is potential, because at the moment he's not fully fulfilled that, and, and I'm sure he would admit that himself if he spoke out. And the thing that frustrates me most with him, see when you think back to when he arrived at the club and the goal against Liverpool, he's a player who's very quick. But for a player that's very quick, as you've said, with his body language, I just feel that you don't even associate that with him as often as you should. He's the sort of player, when you look at the centre-halves he played against, he played against Jagielka, against Sheffield United. At the weekend, McTominay has to come off and he gets the chance after around 40 minutes to come on. When you look at a back two, uh, centre-backs I'm talking about, of Holden and Louise, if, if I'm him, I'm thinking in, in my head, I've got the physical attributes to, to really test them, to show my pace, to show my hold-up play. You know Louise is, is someone who's capable of committing a rash fibble or two. Go and make him make the mistake. I mean, that, you've seen it so many times, but you're right. A lot. Of, it comes down to, to his mental state and the, the, the thing that you said there about making his mind up in the first 10 minutes, I, I wish I could defend him and I wish I could come out and say, I think you've been a wee bit harsh there, but quite simply I can't because how often, as you've just said, do you watch a match and within 15 or 20 minutes, he goes from a wee bit of liveliness in the first 10 to just dropping off and it's as if his head goes from side to side and he's looking around as if somebody help me here and the only person that can help him is himself because as, as we both said, he has the physical attributes, he has the undoubted talent, but he just needs the attitude to go with it. What will be interesting to see is uh, one of the games that uh, I suppose was a positive of the weekend was United 6-2 win against Liverpool in the 23s with Diallo. Scored a couple of goals. Uh, I want to I make a pro and a, a negative point about this. Um, very, very exciting young player. Uh, Solskjaer said he's not far away from the first team, which is great. 
right? I don't want to make judgments on him based on what he's done at all the 23 level. We need to be very, very careful about that. Because I'm going to make a point about this. James Garner has just gone on loan to Forest. He's had his loan cancelled at Watford and he's now gone on loan to Forest. I want to read you something that he said. The championship has been tough. I found it quite tough to be fair. Coming from under 23's football straight into the championship. Some people say it's possibly the hardest league in the world in terms of things you can come up against. The pitches, the way teams play. So it's been difficult to adapt, but something that is a challenge that I get challenged. What he's telling you is the gap between under 23 football and championship football is a massive. Okay? So you can imagine what it's like from under 23 to Premier League. And it's also good to see Mengi going out on loan to Derby County. Very, very good loan. Wayne Rooney there, of course. Um, and that's exciting. It's good for him. It's a good move for him. Uh, James Garner was a player that United fans wanted in the first team last season. I spoke to Michael Carrick over the summer uh, prior to United returning back. And he had said he'd just started to train with the first team. Good player, but not ready. Right? So the point is, as good as the LMA look at under 23 level, it's not a barometer of how he's going to do for the first team. Okay, great to see him start. Great to see him play well against Liverpool. To score a couple of goals, but also Joe Huggle in that game scored four. Right, um, very few people talking about that. Good to see Solskjaer mention that because there's another exceptional young talent. Um, so I think hopefully Diallo gets in that first team over the next couple of weeks because one of the things I'm, I hate to keep bringing bring it back to this, but when I was talking to Luke Shaw about. Alex Tallis and how important Alex Tallis was in pushing him on and getting the best out of him, that has been an important factor. So when we look at the front three, and Martial getting dropped hasn't been enough to provoke a response out of him. If Diallo comes in and brings an impetus, new drive, that youthful exuberance that you get where they have no fear, and maybe you get a Mason Greenwood type contribution, it's asking a lot, but why not, from Diallo's second half of the season, that's very, very exciting. It definitely could impact how United go about their business this summer with Jadon Sancho and whether that's something to pursue or not. Um, but also, so could the form of Anthony Marshall. If Anthony Marshall doesn't recover his form, the one thing that will save him at United is the fact that there aren't a lot of buyers this summer. right? If there was, <coughs> it was a normal market, I just feel that United might say... Because one of the things that's definitely different, Callum, at Manchester United today, is players have a much shorter rope. If you don't play well, you don't get to stay at the club for five years anymore. Solskjaer's making quick decisions. You get the mo- you get moved on. You get moved on. You get moved on. That's very encouraging to see. There's no consequences for failure. It's really important to get the best out of players. So, I, I think that's a very very encouraging thing. Uh, it was also interesting to hear Luke Shaw talk about the contrast between man management, Mourinho and Solskjaer, and why it's not just him he's got the best out of, it's other players. So there's no more hiding place for players in this United team to blame it on the manager, to blame it on the environment, to blame it on anything else. It's all you. There is no more excuses for not being the best version of yourself. Absolutely. You, Solskjaer has provided a platform for the players, as Luke Shaw said, to go and play and to go and express themselves and they have to take that responsibility when things aren't going well because when, when you listen to Luke, when you listen to, to Michael Carrick in the summer as well, it's very clear that there's a positive atmosphere at Manchester United. It's very clear that there's a supportive atmosphere for the players and there's an assertive atmosphere when there has to be, but crucially compared to Mourinho, it's when it has to be. It isn't just second nature, which I think towards the end of Jose's reign started to creep in. And, and, and it's important that the players see this and, and, and fully buy into it because I am so glad that players aren't going to be given four or five years at United to stagnate when they're not progressing because 
United in any elite club doesn't have four or five years to let you um, go from the bench to playing 20 a season, dropping down to 15, and there's still hope you might come back. There's no time for that. There's time for longer-term projects like a Diallo, like a Greenwood, as we've said. But if you're a footballer like a Martial, who we've mentioned a few times already, and you're not contributing at the level that's going to progress United on, there has to be a consequence of moving on. And there has to be a message out there to footballers that are in form at other clubs. You mentioned the likes of a Jadon Sancho and others, that United are interested in the right football player who can progress the side, and that could be you. Because that's what United, under Ferguson, were always good at. They were always good at being able to go out and just get that one or two in at the right time to, to bring people on and provide that competition for places. Martial, as you've said rightly, the competition for him, for whatever reason, hasn't sparked him as of yet. If you're so scared, and I'm sure him and his staff are doing this, you would be reminding him of this. Cavani is here. He might be 33, 34, but he's here and he's contributing. You need to start or you're going to be elsewhere and someone else is going to fight with him for the starting berth up front. And that's refreshing. In regards to what you said about, about James Garner, I think that's something that, that many fans have to have to realise. You, you, you're right. It's not as easy as going from under-23 football to, to playing in the Premier League week in, week out. And, and that's a jump that, that is massive and, and, and commend the likes of Greenwood, etc., for being able to do that because it is a massive jump. What I would say as well, just completely in a tangent here slightly, Phil, it just feels amazing to be on a transfer deadline day and United aren't scrambling about and panicking. And I have to be honest with you, it's great to, to feel... This window feels in a way like a Manchester United window should feel like where you don't go out and make silly signings. You've signed a young player that you agreed to sign in the summer. He's coming in, he's bedding in, as you've mentioned with the Liverpool game. But you're not in a position like some other teams are where you're scrambling around at the very end of a window trying to make the most of what you've got. Let me ask you about Roy Keane's comments, Callum, because um, we're very interesting where he said that this United team look afraid of the title. One of the things that I had said on this podcast before is that I would be concerned about United's ability to win games week in, week out, under pressure, top of the league with that pressure on, where every game's a cup final, where you can't lose, where there's insane pressure and focus on you. Because if you look at United, you have to say, it's not an accident they've lost four semifinals. Okay? Uh, and again, apologies for doing this, but I, when I asked Luke Shaw in the interview that he was on the podcast, what was the target for the season? Was one of the title a, a target? And he said, yes, of course, you know, that, that's something we have, to, we have to try to do, given the position that we're in. Of course, the, the, the history of the football club demands that. That doesn't mean that the players are ready for that. When this United team has been put under pressure in must-win situations, they haven't been able to do it. Look at the last two games of the Champions League. You know, they, they all they had to do was get a point from the last two games. They couldn't manage it. They managed to contrive to lose both of those games, which is unthinkable. Um, they shouldn't have lost against PSG. Uh, they game management cost them, of course, with the Fred sending off, and then Martial's on inexplicable misses. Then the unbelievable result away to Leipzig, um, compounded with, of course, what happened to Pizzi here. And so we just we see this so many times in Europe where they're under pressure. They are in cup finals, Bosman games, where there's immense pressure, and they just haven't been able to positively answer that question. They went top, and they, what did they, 1-1-4? Okay, I know some of those Sheffield United, they should have won. 
uh, it should never it have never an abomination. But Liverpool, not the end of the world drawing or Arsenal, not the end of the world drawing there. But I just feel like here we are. You know, how are they responding to the pressure of being top? Well, I used the word earlier about the the Arsenal game at the weekend. We, we all agree Sheffield United was just. Just an absolutely shocking result. And it would be a shocking result even if you were sitting fourth or fifth on the table, given given the position that Sheffield United are in. Um, The the Arsenal game just feels like a missed opportunity. And I know a lot of people are dwelling on Liverpool and saying similar things about that. But a point at Anfield, regardless of where they are or you are in the league, is always a point I think any United fan would take more often than not. But Mm -hmm. at the weekend, with that Arsenal side, with the amount of players, the, the three main players that they had out, I mentioned the fact they were playing Holding and Louise as centre-backs. You, you would expect United in their attacking talent to be able to, to find a way through. And and a lot of people, again, I mentioned possession against Sheffield United. There was a lot of people on, online saying, well, United have dominated the possession. And again, we've said it to the cows come home about other teams. Possession doesn't win matches. You need to take the opportunities when they present themselves. And and you're right about Roy Keane, that the point he made that are there some players in that United team that are thinking, wow, I cannot believe we are here and, and they've sort of froze slightly? Possibly. But at the same time, every football club, even a, a club of United stature, can have a tough week, an off week in this season of all, all seasons when fixtures are crammed. The big test is going to come in the next couple of weeks with the fixtures that they've got leading into the the, the, the games against your, your Chelsea and your City. Southampton at home is going to be a very, very tough game. Everton is another tough game. Obviously, we've got FA Cup against West Ham. West Brom away. These next three games are tough for different reasons. They're tough against it's tough against Southampton because they're a side that have punished big teams in the league this season. They've shown that they can compete. They've shown that they can work a high press and put you under pressure. So United have to be let in that game. Ancelotti and Everton, we know what they've got. They've got Calvert-Lewin up front, who's scored a, a bucket load of goals this season. They've got players like Rodriguez, who can punish you with a, a ball through the eye of a needle. That's a different test, I would argue, than Southampton and their pressing intensity. And then you've got West Bromwich Albion. That game will be massive. People, again, mm-hmm. will look at Sheffield United and say, you would expect United to go and beat West Brom. City went there and put four by them, or five by them, or six, whatever it was. But West, that's the sort of game that I worry for United based on the Sheffield United game. Because when a team is fighting for their lives as lowly mm-hmm. as they are and as lacking in qualities they are, what they won't be lacking in are those simple facts of football you mentioned earlier. Passion, commitment mm-hmm. and enthusiasm. And the very, very bare minimum for United is to not only match that, but to better it. And these three games in particular are going to be a massive test. The, the, the comments from Roy Keane, are they shocked and stunned about where they are? For me, the next three league games in particular will answer that question emphatically one way or another. Well, look, City have won their last eight. Okay, so they're bang on form. Um, and uh, the question is, are they capable of continuing that form? Look, this is still not the City of old for me. This is still not the city that was blowing teams away. They're playing well. Ironically, you know, if we singled out Martial, we singled, we singled out some of the United forwards, Brashford as well. United are sitting on, they've scored the same amount of goals as Manchester City, 37. The problem has been conceding goals, 27. City have conceded 13, right? Liverpool conceded 24, but have scored 43. You know, Leicester have conceded less goals than United. You know, West Ham have the same defensive record as Manchester United. So it's really the other end of the pitch. It's costing United, and and I know that this summer 
the priority is a centre-back, which tells me they don't have confidence in Victor Lindelof. Uh, I think if you looked at one of the um, criticisms of Lindelof under Mourinho was he can be bullied. I still think that's true. Right Now, he's capable of very, very good performances against Liverpool and there. But if you look at you know, teams that have won leagues, league titles, Verdun and Vidic, they were consistently excellent. Right, the United centre back pairing is not consistently excellent, and very rarely do you win league titles if you aren't right at the back. I mean, Arsenal have a better defensive record than United. Everton have a better defensive record than United. Chelsea have a better defensive record than United. Spurs better defensive record than United. You know, you go down that. Even Burnley have a better defensive record than Manchester United. That's a concern, right? You can't win league titles with a defence like that. That has to improve. That surprised me. Because you would imagine there was improvement. I know some of that's coloured with the Spurs result and all that there, but it's still a real stat. So I think that is something we have to address. Um, and when we look at micro-upgrades, Cam, where we're being uber-critical, Fred does a lot of things very well, but the things that he doesn't do well can be costly. right? And we saw it a couple of times at the weekend, we've seen it before, he gives a ball away in dangerous areas where his passing is not good enough. And... It almost cost United early on in that game, uh, where he gave a ball away against Arsenal. They broke and should have scored, right? Um, and these are these are things that concern me. These are things that when I look at the likes of Declan Rice, players in that position that still cover the same amount of ground as Fred, still defensively very good, but also were technically much better on the ball. That's something that they're going to have to look at next season. And probably if we look at the final analysis of why you don't win the league, it'll be for me that position. Still not great defensively, where you know, you know don't still concede poor goals. You know the two goals they gave against Sheffield United from a from a corner again. Come on, no excuse for that. No excuse for that because once the ball's in the air, it's about who wants it the most, right? It's about who's who's being better off the ball positioning. All these things, right? So there's no excuse for that. The second goal, on oh, looked like United had something better to do than defend. They just stood off uh, Sheffield United and calamitous defending, calamitous clearances, just, just really, really poor goal to give away at that level. Um, and so for me, I think these are the reasons why United may not... But look, let's be honest, Cam, I wasn't expecting them in the league. They finished second this year within a few points of Man City or the, t- the title winners. I think that's still a good return. That's a good season for United where I'm confident enough to say, OK, go support Solskjaer this summer. He deserves to keep the job. I said he needs to win a trophy. He's at that point now where really he's on borrowed time. He has to now, for me, show uh, return on investment. It can't be about potential anymore. It can't be about looking in the future. Now we have to see return on investment. Now we have to see what his plans are, all the things that he's invested in come to fruition. And, um, you know, so for me, I think uh, it, it may, realistically, United are not the best team in the league. I think he's done exceptionally well to get United where they are. But you're right, the next few games are huge. United up against Southampton midweek, that, that, that Tuesday, tomorrow. It's going to be a very, very difficult game. They have nobody an easy game. They're sitting in 11th. However, they have lost their last three. They lost to Leicester 2-0. Uh, 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 they lost the Arsenal. And then, of course, they lost at the weekend to Aston Villa. So um, that can mean one of two things. Maybe you get a response from them where they're desperate to get a result. But United can't be the team where teams always turn it around against. You know, it almost, almost, you know, have to be one of those teams that also inflicts punishment. 
So they have, you know, they have to look at that Southampton game as an opportunity to get back on track, win a game, be ruthless. I said before the Sheffield United game, mate, this game is going to require a different type of uh, attribute than what was against Liverpool. It's going to have to be professional and ruthless. They lack both of those. They can't do that against Southampton. They simply can't. You mentioned the second goal against Sheffield United and, and the players just looked incredibly relaxed considering the mm. fact that they were in their own penalty area and that's that's the sort of thing that cannot happen against a team like Southampton. I'm not meaning to talk Southampton up as if they're the, one of the, the top three sides in the league and they should overpower United. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Player for player in this unit, United are a better team but what Southampton have got at their disposal is intensity. They play with intensity. And yes, sometimes they go down fighting. You've mentioned the last three results, and rightly so. You cannot go into this game, as you've mentioned, lacking that drive and, and enthusiasm that, that, that basically, let's be honest, has got United to where they are. They need to do the basics right. They need to start well. Because Southampton are one of these sides, Phil, that I don't think you want to be going behind against. I don't think you want to go behind to Southampton and have to chase a game mm-hmm. because they can sit back and then hit you in the counter. And that is that that's something that always worries me with United. Sheffield United show, showcased that. I mean, you, they, they were happy to sit back, soak up pressure. And when they have a lead, that sort of performance worries me with United. I know they've got better at breaking sides down who sit deep, but I'm still not convinced they can do it consistently all the time. We, we alluded to Rashford earlier with his with his finishing in the final third. Those sort of performances worry me. For United, get ahead early, control the game, be smart with your possession. You talked about Fred and, and even Matic when he plays. Mm-hmm. When they get the ball from the centre-halves and they turn on the pivot, that can worry me because sometimes they're either too fast with Fred, sometimes he's too fast for his own good, and Matic is sometimes horribly slow for his own good. So that's an area of the game that United need to be very, very astute on. For me, Luke Shaw, I know he came back in against Arsenal, has to start. Luke Shaw, mm-hmm. uh, Tellez has been great at providing competition for Shaw, but Shaw is one of the form players in the league at the moment and United need to utilise players that are in the form that he's in as much as possible. So tomorrow it's going to be a, a game that I think will be defined in the centre of the park. But I mentioned width, I mentioned Shaw. United can always damage teams with the width that they've got when you've got someone like a Cavani who knows when to move, who knows when to stand still. So for me, keep it solid in the centre of the park. Stick what you're good to and United should win the game. But again, I'm afraid I have to say should because I just worry about that intensity because if it's not there, Southampton can punish you. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, if you look back at the Arsenal game, um, United didn't play really, they didn't attack from wide areas. Most of the attacks came down the middle from counter-attacks. Um, the, you know, you don't understand that Rashford and you know, Martial's natural inclination is to cut and say. What I also think is, Cam, we talked about um, the Solskjaer know his best 11. I think we now know what Solskjaer believes is his best 11. And I think it is pretty much what we saw at the weekend. That I believe he may be maybe 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 uh with one one exception um but i think if we look at the team that played at the weekend De Gea, Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw, Fred, McTominay, Pogba, Fernandez, Rashford, Cavani i think that is what Solskjaer believes is his best 11 um I, now that can change because obviously players you know different games Martial could find form all of a sudden you know Pogba's pushed in the middle and for, for one of Fred and McTominay but as things currently stand i think he believes 
that's his best 11. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I think um, when we look at this United team, this really is a point where big players have to find form. Where you know Pogba's been exceptional, and this is where you you can't rely on the same two guys every week. Right? You can't rely on Pogba Fernandez every week. It's important that Rashford goes on a run of form. It's important that Martial goes on a run of form. Important that Cavani goes on a run of form. Where we they score goals, they like important goals, big goals, um, and uh, and and get that momentum again. Um, I think uh, when we look at the United team against Southampton. I would imagine it'll look, with the exception of McTominay, look very much the same. So I think we'll probably put Pogba inside and probably play either Martial or Greenwood in that wide position. Um, but um, big, big game for them, of course. And uh, it really is a must-win three points. Uh, some other things, some other news, of course. Marcus Rojo will leave United. His contract is being terminated. It will be terminated if he doesn't get a move uh, by the end of the window, which is looking very much likely since this is deadline day. United will let him go. Phil Jones back in the squad. Uh, Solskjaer has also said Brandon Williams will not go out on loan. Um, and... Uh, you know, we've had some other young lads. Looks like Palestri is going to go on loan. It looked like he was going to go to um, Salta Vigo for a while. And I think he looks like he's going to go to Alves. Well, good move for the kid. Uh, important, you know, use that loan system, get them out. Of course, Ethan Lurds at um, MK Dons. Uh, Tee Chong is now going to Bruges. Um, he's instead, of, I think it was a Werder Bremen or something like that. Um, Mengi to Derby, Palestri to Alves. It's good for United to use. That you that that loan system, and of course Igalo also left the football club. Um, I'm hoping to have him on the podcast. By the way, um, I spoke to his people last week, and uh, they said that we will do something in the next week or two. Um, until I have it signed, sealed, done, delivered, I'm not going to say for a hundred percent. But um, <clears throat> looks it's looking positive. Lovely people, of course, and very very popular guy United who really looked like a fan playing for the football club, never let the club down, um, will be fully remembered by United fans, and uh, just uh, it looks like he's going to Saudi Arabia inside Al-Shabaab, so we wish him all the very, very best. Thank you for everything you've done for Manchester United Odeon, uh, absolutely lovely guy, and um, wonderful uh, individual to have around the football club. He, he certainly was, and, and let's be honest with you, he knew his role when... When he was brought in, it was an understudy type role. Mm-hmm. Last season, in particular, in the cup competitions, he stepped up to the plate in the FA Cup. He scored some goals. He was a very positive influence in and around the club. And any time that he pulled on the United jersey, he tried his absolute best and did exactly what was asked of him. And, and for a guy who came into the club in difficult circumstances, he was signed obviously in the January of, of last year. You've, you've, you've got to you've got to give him credit because. A lot of players could have come into the environment when United were struggling initially. Um, I know Fernandez quickly changed that and, and, and maybe loosened up. But no, he came in and even if he was given five minutes or 50 minutes, he gave it his all. So totally agree and, and uh, with your sentiment, Phil. He will be fondly remembered and I wish him every success because he's the sort of character you want in and around your football club. And good luck to the lad because he's had a great career. Yes, absolutely, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, I get him on the podcast the next week or two. Really, would love that. And uh, thanks to each and every one of you as well for all the lovely comments about my Luke Show interview. Uh, of course, it's still on my Twitter feed. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's put on our YouTube channel. So if you get a chance, folks, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, uh, Beyond the Pitch YouTube channel. 
uh, if you follow the link to Luke's show on the view, just subscribe. I really, really appreciate it because we'll have lots more content up there. I will be doing more more of these interviews via Zoom. Um, definitely the best format for me because if I mess doing them in other, other formats. So um, we'll be doing more stuff. And again, I want to thank Manchester United for giving them to me. And I just want to set something straight, Callum, on this because there was a ridiculous insinuation made by an individual who I'm really disappointed in um, because I know him personally. And he'll know exactly who I'm talking about. And I really don't understand why he decided to get salty with me on our channel. I've had him on my channel before. I've never said anything derogative about him or his content, despite the fact that lots of people would like me to. And um, I just find it really, really disappointing. Uh, I do not get players from Manchester United because I refuse to call out the board. Um, I think anyone who's been following me over the last number of years would know that we have been virulent critics of the Glazers uh, and the board and Edward Wood and many other people. Um, and you know, Manchester United have come back to me and vehemently disagreed with a lot of my views. Um, so much so that uh, we published parts of um, things that they disagreed with me on. So um, I have an exceptional relationship with United. They know exactly what I am. They know that I am not someone that uh, is going to be bought by uh, enticements. If we give you access, will you change your views? And I must say, never once have United asked me to do that. Never once. United have never once came to me and said to me, if you continue to say this, you'll not get access. Nor have they even implied it. Now, I have had disagreements with Manchester United's employees off the air, right? They never get personal. But they're heated, I suppose, if you want to call it that, about interpretation of certain things. They don't always agree with things that I say. Sometimes I'll put a tweet out where they really disagree with and they'll, tell, they'll let me know. But all in all, I'm very, very fortunate and privileged to be able to enjoy the type of relationship and access that I do. I understand that. I understand that for a lot of people who also cover Manchester United, who think they're bigger and think they're more deserving of this, they may get irritated at the content, but... I want them also to remember something. I've been doing this 10 years, okay? I've been working hard with Manchester United for a long, long time. I've been helping to promote tours in the US for a long, long time. And my relationship with United has been developed and cultivated over years and years and years of trust and hard work. Uh, so I've been interviewing current and actually United players for seven, eight years, easily. Before some people even thought about creating a podcast or a, a YouTube channel, right? So I would like a little bit more respect and the assumption that I'm getting this because I'm obsequious or to Manchester it's just absolutely absurd. It really makes you look like a capricious, spoiled child um, that has nothing to do with it. And you're not someone that calls out the board as if you're the only person that does it. The individual in question will not need me to name them. They occasionally listen to this podcast and they've never been slow in the past to let me know when they've disagreed with certain comments on the show. So I assume they do listen to it. And those who saw the tweet will know exactly who I'm talking about. I'm not going to name him. I'm really, really disappointed in that. Um, I never do that. I never call out any of his content despite the fact that I've had opportunities to do so and probably should have in the past because of some of the absurd stuff that's been said on there. But look, it's not for me. you know. And nor have I tried to turn around and say that... Uh, they're successful because they're chasing money or they're, they're, they're backed by certain people and imply all sorts of nonsense, right? 
Well, maybe there's truth to that. I don't know. Maybe they're, they, they are successful because there's money behind them and because there's a different agenda and because they're not really Manchester United fans. I don't know. Why should I defend that anymore? If I'm going to get attacked, I won't. So I'm really disappointed in that. And uh, I get players because I work my arse off. It's as simple as that. So just just on it, Phil. I just want to come in. You don't get access at Manchester United. You don't get access to respected former and, and respected current players if you are not proactive in developing positive relationships. Two, if you're not trusted, you won't get them. And three, not anyone can do this. This is something that I am I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. I don't claim that I'm the greatest broadcaster since sliced bread. You don't claim you're the greatest broadcaster since sliced bread because. We're down to earth people who yeah. try our very best, but not. But there's an element of people out there, and I wouldn't name the individual as you've said, who think because they can get in front of a camera in their living room, they can mm. be the next Des Lynam. It doesn't work like that, I'm afraid. It doesn't work like that. You have to work at it. You have to work at it. And relationships are everything. If you can't build relationships with people to get guests on your content or your show, that's something you need to look at. You don't start throwing mud in the direction of everyone else. Take a look at yourself and and, and think about what you need to do to get that content, Mm -hmm. to get that trust, to get those contacts. Because it's never handed to you in a plate. Mm -hmm. I've known you, Phil, now for for around two years on a personal basis. Mm -hmm. And I know how hard you work. I know you, you've got kids, you've got a family, you've mm-hmm. got a business outside of this. You have to balance those things on top of getting the incredible content that you do. But you don't and get, I say, and even I use the word get, get's the wrong word, earn, because mm-hmm. you, you have to work hard at it. Nothing is ever given to you on a plate, with, whether it's a United player, whether it's an ex-Chelsea player, or whoever it may be. And it's important that these people, as I've said, don't throw mud in the direction of other people because you're you're envious of their success or you're envious of their their connections. Go and make it for yourself and see when you do, be proud of it. Because then I'm sure the likes of yourself, Phil, and, and, and myself will say, well done, that's a great interview. But don't throw mud in other people's directions. Well, man, I appreciate that because, um, as you know, Calm, I'm often hit up by people that want to start their own podcasts. And people who do start their own podcasts who are brand new and ask me to come on. And I'll do it, no problems. I support anybody who wants to have a creative endeavour. Don't let critics tell you you can't do this. So don't look at it and go, oh, I'm going to be laughed at. Go, go do it. Have fun. If this is something you want to do, this is a, a creative outlet for you, for something to have fun that's good for your mental health, all that, go do it. Right? The only thing I discourage is people who do it for money, anticipated fame, anticipated money and all that, don't do it for that. Because it'll change your relationship with the game and you'll become better when you don't make it. And inevitably, it's, you, you won't because it's very, very, very difficult. You need to be patient. If you want to start a podcast, you need to be patient. You're not going to get a massive audience overnight. And you don't want a massive audience overnight because you need time to make mistakes. You need time to get things right. And you don't want to be broadcasting a lot of people because the criticism that will come your way will discourage you. You need time. It takes time. There's podcasts out there that are much bigger than me. that get much better access than me. Bravo, well done lads, I have nothing but love for those people, you know, Andy Milton gets exceptional access, Andy works his arse off, works his arse off, you know, Andy got a young family in Barcelona, he's travelling all over the world watching games, travelling with Matthias Nittet all over the world, works his arse off, he deserves every bit of access that he gets. Right, and by the way, you know, Andy and I have had disagreements in the past, but overall I have massive respect for him. 
right? I disagree with some things that was put in this magazine about me. I didn't appreciate. And but look, this is I'm over it. Big deal. You know, truthfully, he's brilliant at what he does. He works his behind off, and and earns the right to speak to these players. These players like him. They know him. They didn't find out about Andy Mitten because of the internet. Because he works his arse off, he's there every week. So he deserves access. He deserves the type of content that he gets. And he has implicit trust from Manchester United, where they're not going to give him someone and he's going to try to sensationalise an interview. He's going to try to hang somebody. No, that's not what this is about. So for me, you know, I commend any other podcast out there. I encourage them. I think it's great. Callum, you know, I encourage you to do yours. Um, and anybody that reaches out to me and asks me, should I do this? Do it, right? If you're a young young lad, young girl, whatever, go do it, right? Um, and and go have some fun. Look, I started with nothing. I started with a microphone, and I, and and honestly, it sounded like I was recording a submarine, right? I didn't know what I was doing. But you work hard, you persevere, you keep going, you get the rejections, you get told no, you get ignored. When I would get a guest on, I'd send out maybe thirty requests for interviews. Twenty nine would get ignored, and one I'd hear a yes on. But my guests would only hear the one yes. They didn't hear the 29 no's. That's all I knew. I only needed one yes. right? And then that one turns into two and turns into three. And you work over time and you build it. And it takes time. You know, and if you build up an audience, even better. But to throw shade at people because they get good content and get access really is pathetic. And it makes you look like a sport child. Um, anything that this show gets, we worked our arses off. And we've made plenty of mistakes. I am lucky enough to know people that work inside Manchester United who listen to this podcast who are genuinely lovely people, right? Wonderful human beings who love the football club inside out. They're not making millions. They're not making a fortune. They're trying to feed their families, right? They're, they're, they're young people like you and me working their arses off. And, you know, you'd be surprised what you get when you treat people with dignity and you treat people with respect and you treat people with humility. You know, I don't have no right to get access to any of this. I'm incredibly grateful for what I do get and when I do get it. And um, so in the end, you know, I, I, I worked hard for that relationship. I, I cherish it, but it wasn't given to me. And it certainly wasn't given to me on the premise that I don't criticise the board or criticise Glazers or criticise Woodward. It's just an unbelievable ignorance about who I am and what I've been doing since 2005. Um, so, you know, of course, there's, there's people out there that have been bigger critics of the Glazers and be much more active and all that but um, to suggest that I haven't done that and that I've bought my access is honestly an insult I just want to finish up on a couple of things mate um, <clears throat> looks like uh, Sergio Romero will also leave United um, probably go to the MLS free transfer Sergio Romero's 33 I whoever gets Sergio Romero is one lucky lucky club he's in he's in a brilliant sweet spot of his career as a goalkeeper still easily got another four or five years in him another guy just like a gobble an absolute credit to the club never let the club down was probably for my money the best backup goalkeeper in the league easily good enough to start for half the Premier League teams um, never caused a problem off the field absolutely impeccable um, professional and uh, leaves with the United fans support and blessing and will always be welcome back at Old Trafford he absolutely will be. I think he and his family were slightly um, irked, obviously, by the situation yeah. in August, and rightly so. I think yep. they were slightly let down. But but again, he's went into training. He's got his head down. He knows he, he knows for whatever reason. Obviously, he was down the pecking order. Dean Henderson had returned. He wasn't going to play, but he still turned up. 
and he deserves his move. And, and as you say, just like a gallo, he will go with the best wishes of everyone who follows Manchester United. And good luck to him. He's the sort of guy that in the future, when he comes back to Old Trafford for a match, he'll get a, a very good reception, and rightly so, because he's been a credit to the club on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Uh, a couple of other things. Uh, Marcus Rojo, like we said, also will go right thing to do if he needed to uh, move Marcus Rojo on. Look, there were, he should never have got that new contract. We know that, right? Uh, he is uh, a, an ornament at the football club. He, you know, he's not a serious consideration for the first team. Um, time to be moved on. Again, I encourage him from United cleaning her, cleaning Dax in, look, we're, we're not going to carry excess fat here. I think, and that's also a result of the pandemic, you know, it's new um, budgetary situation, they're looking at this going, we can't be carrying these players, we can't be carrying six, seven centre-backs, that and of, of which two or three only play. Right thing to do, get them on, get them out of football club, even if it costs, like Sanchez, to get them out. Look at Alexis Sanchez, Inter Milan already trying to move him on to AS Roma, right? Get rid of that, move it on, um, and I think he scored, what, two goals since he's been there, been a Disastrous part of his career. I wonder if he wanted to leave Inter Milan the first week he, let, he joined. Uh, get them out. Uh, one one other player, of course, Jesse Lingard, who has left and gone on loan to West Ham. I, I mentioned this in the podcast last week, and I really want to emphasize it again. I want to wish Jesse Lingard nothing but the absolute best, right? And I think that when we look back at Jesse Lingard's time at United, all of us, all of us, and I include myself in this, need to take a long, hard look at ourselves. Because some of the abuse that was levelled at that guy, and I look back at myself and I think I was a, you know, a, a, a vocal critic. I, I would hope it never got to the level of abuse. If it did, I'd be totally ashamed of myself. I started to become really sensitive about Jesse Lingard, his mental health and the abuse that he got about a year or so ago and where I felt like, hey, this is going too far. I looked at some of the comments that he was getting online and quite frankly, they were a disgrace. Kappa... Chelsea goalkeeper had to deactivate his comments because of the abuse that he was taking. Marcus Rashford was taking racial abuse this weekend. Um, I think there was another United player took racial abuse. Um, was it uh, Axel Tuminzevi? Just absolutely disgusting, disgraceful. Any scumbag, scumbag that wants to level abuse of people, especially of racial, ethnic kind, you are lowest of the low. You are a fucking piece of shit. You are scum of the earth, men my language. And um, there is nothing that these people do that justifies any of that. This is football. I get angry, I get upset too. But I just hope Jesse Lingard goes to West Ham, finds peace, right? Finds happiness, finds a groove in his career. Because let's be honest, Callum, did Jesse Lingard at the top of his game? Jesse Lingard scored some very, very good goals, important goals for Manchester United. You know, and yes, he wasn't Lionel Messi, so what? But sit here talking about the culture of our club, the academy. He was a young kid came through our academy and he was treated like vermin. And every single one of us need to take a long, hard look at ourselves. And many of us owe that kid an apology, that young lad an apology. And I hope that we all learn a lesson from Jesse Lingard where if ever a player, a human being, finds themselves in this situation again, we all take a rain check from abusing them. And please don't ever, ever, ever use money as any type of barometer for whether someone's entitled to take abuse or not. Money has nothing to... Money buys comfort. It does not buy happiness. It has nothing to do with your right to abuse somebody. Nothing. I don't care if they're making a million pounds a week, 20 million pounds a week. It has nothing to do with it. All right? These are people are human beings. And there is no money you can pay someone that stops them from being human, that stops them reading that, and stops them from feeling like 
the lowest of the low and possibly suicidal. If one of these players takes their lives, sorry for this rant, Cam, if one of these players takes their life, we're all responsible and that could easily happen. Right? So we all need to take a rein attack. We all need to take a step back. And I wish this kid, wish Jesse Lingard nothing but the very best. Great kid. And, um, you know, he deserves to have five, six years of his career where he hits his peak again. And I hope he, I hope he finds it. I, I totally agree with you. I told the story last week about the Watford game and the yeah. fact he spent over an hour signing autographs for every single person. I spoke to Alan Tong during the week and he was telling mm-hmm. me that after one of the games last season when fans were, were allowed in, he, he went over to Hotel Football after the game and yeah. put every single person in there a beer. That's the sort of guy that he is. Not flashy, not someone who does it for attention. He's a genuine, genuine, um, a, a, a genuine guy. He's, he's, he's a kid who came through the system them at United, he had some great moments um, with the FA Cup um, success under Van Hal, played well in the Europa League, you're right, he wasn't Lionel Messi, he wasn't the best right sided, the left sided midfielder in Manchester United's history, so what mm-hmm. he tried his best he, he, he performed at good standard for his club and his country um, for a period of time yes, form can dip it dips for some of the best players in the world as well but I hope he gets his career back on track because as well as, as being a, a footballer who's a good footballer, a Premier League footballer, definitely no question about that for me. He's a, he's a, he's a good character. And yes, he would be the first to hold his hands up and say that he's made mistakes, but haven't we all? <laughs> and I can say that as a human being. I've made plenty of them. And Man. if it wasn't for friends, friends, family uh, and people supporting me, then, then who knows where we'd all be. So I hope he gets the support he needs, the encouragement he needs. And, and as I say, good luck to him, except when he plays United. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Folks, we'll be back again. I may record midweek. Uh, we'll see what happens. If not, of course, myself can be back mm, next Monday. I almost recorded. I had a, actually a show. I was going to record with Martin, actually, after Sheffield United. Uh, but I was so angry and disappointed that I called and bring myself to actually record so we'll probably have Martin back on relatively soon and uh, looking forward to doing that but myself and Cam will be back every week every Monday uh, this is uh, him and I will be doing this podcast every Monday for now in the foreseeable future so uh, make sure folks you have hit subscribe on all our major podcast platforms that's the best way you can support the show if you're on Facebook please like the Beyond the Pitch Facebook page and all that there. folks all that stuff is massive for us really really helps us um you know, I, I don't like asking people for money, um, and um, I don't I don't like doing that. And uh, one other thing, I want to apologise for <clears throat> before we go. Last week weekend, I was in Las Vegas, and not this weekend, the weekend before, and I done something that when I woke up the next day, I cringed to death. When I uploaded a video of the room that I was in, um, first of all, I'm embarrassed beyond belief because I'm not a flashy wanker. And I do not like people to do that. Um, I got that room next to nothing. So it does not a reflection of me living a baller lifestyle. Please do not think that. I got that room basically as a gift. It was next to nothing. And um, I don't like, I know lots of people are struggling right now, mentally, physically, financially, what have you, um, with everything that's going on. I just want to apologise to people because I don't want that to look wrong and look like I'm some sort of show-off, fleshy arsehole because I, I absolutely detest that. And that's not me. And uh, I want to apologise to anyone that it's just bang out of the order. It was so wrong, and I, I, I didn't want to delete it the next day because it looked bad. And I just, I woke up the next day and I went, I can't believe I just did that. That is so cringy. It is just douche, douchey thing to do. So, uh, my sincere apologies on that because I know lots of people out there are struggling, 
and um, you have my deepest, deepest empathy. And I sincerely hope we talk about this on the show many, many times. Those of you that are struggling with mental health, understand you are not alone. Um, nobody sees this, but I've had one of the worst weeks of my life last week. Um, I don't want to talk about it on here, but um, very, 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 very difficult. And people don't see these things. And it's very easy to mis misinterpret something. And people live in some type of poor lifestyle. Um, lots of us are struggling, and I'm I'm very emotional right now. I'm trying to keep it together. Um, please understand if you are struggling yourself, you're not alone. Reach out. Lots of us are in pain right now, and this is a very difficult time. Um, you know, you're. You, please understand, you are a beautiful human being without a single heart of place. This is just a temporary moment in your life, and it will pass. And at some point, this is going to be a reference point for you to mentor other people when they find themselves in difficult positions and they come to you for help. You know, don't turn your back on them. Don't look for a reason not to talk to them. Reach out and find some common ground and let them know that life is hard and, and none of us are perfect and there is nothing to envy about anyone else's life. Don't look at anyone else's life and think you're ba they're better than you, they're doing better than you, there's something wrong with you, that's all bullshit. All right? You are a magnificent human being. You're a miracle of nature. And I'm so grateful that you're listening to this podcast. You're alive and you're in this life because this world would be a much darker place without you. So please hang on. And if you really are struggling, please reach out to myself and Callum um, or someone else in your life that you feel that you can trust that uh, will help you. But please, please, for the love of God, do not suffer alone. Because uh, that's where... You know, that's the that's where you the devil's whispers on your shoulder and you do things that um are are really not commensurate with who you are as a person in reality. So um you know, please I love you and keep fighting and uh I'm I'm walking with you and I know Callum is and I know so many other people are. So please reach out if you're struggling. I I'm not great at tracking direct messages folks because I get a lot of them and I um but I'll try to get back to you. Um so Thank you, folks, for all the downloads, retweets, everything, the feedback on the show, everything. You are truly amazing people. I am so grateful. I do not deserve the following that I have. I do not deserve the followers that I have. But trust me, every one of you mean the world to me. And I know I speak in behalf of this fella here, too, who has been a beneficiary of your kindness, your follows, your likes, and all that there, um, with his own podcast and connected with some truly amazing people. Um, as a result of the BTP cooperation, and I've also found people from Football CFB that have come on this side, uh, just followed by Willie Morgan today. What a moment. Um, and that's because of this guy right here. So um, we are brought together through the Manchester United family, but also through mental health, where we support each other. And I may not talk to you if you're listening to this every day, but I'm also your friend. I am also in your corner, and I care about you deeply. Um, I don't want to lose you so um, thank you so much to all of you, thank you to my brother Callum here and uh, folks please stay safe out there Stay safe, speak out, stay in touch Cheers folks, see ya, bye